Hi there, and welcome to the Grief and Rebirth Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Barnhart, along with author and trauma survivor, Irene Weinberg. We're here to encourage you wherever you are on your healing journey. In each episode, we will chat with incredible grief and trauma specialists, healers, mediums, and celebs, as well as remarkable people who have inspiring healing stories to share. If you're looking for a podcast that's both uplifting and inspiring, you found us. Let us help you find your joy in life. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of the Grief and Rebirth podcast. Today's episode, we have a very special guest and I'm very excited to introduce her. But of course, first, I have to be joined by my favorite co-host of all time, Ms. Irene Weinberg. How are you today? I am spectacular today, especially because we've got Suzanne Northrup on, and I am one of Suzanne's biggest fans, and dare I say, longest-lived fans. I've, I think I first, my first experience with Suzanne was about, oh, 20, 19, 20 years ago, and I've, been, I've seen her a few times. I've followed her a few times. She's absolutely amazing. She's a pioneer with all of this. Uh, working with people, helping them communicate with their deceased loved ones. She's spectacular. And I know. I've heard so many good things. So I'm excited to actually chat with her myself for the first time today. Yeah. And I just want to add, Suzanne's written three books. Uh, and one of them is my favorite. One of my favorites is Everything Happens for a Reason. So I just want to start with that, everyone. If you're wondering why stuff happens in your life, that's a really good one for you to read. Um, and she also has a, a medium's cookbook, Recipes for the Soul, and Second Chance, Healing Messages from the Afterlife. And she hosts a monthly radio show, which I'm very honored <laughs> that I was on it recently. So, Suzanne, should we let you get a word in edgewise and say hello to everyone? Oh, my gosh. So glad to have you here. No, you guys are doing just great. <laughs> I'm having a good time already. Suzanne, you, why don't we just start? Why don't you tell people how you came to this path that you've got? Because people who are tuning in to our podcast, some are very well-versed in spirituality and mediumship and all, and others are like just beginning to learn about this world. So how does someone like you find your way to this path and start doing what you did? I mean, how yeah. did I get this way? <laughs> Well, well, first of all, it's, it, you know, the, the, the thing that I always like to sort of share with people is this. Um, I think that when we all go through our lives, depending on what's going on with our lives and the period that happens within our lives has an awful lot to do with either our direction or where we go or how we end up or any of the above. Um, I don't know a time in my life that I did not connect with the other world. Um, I've been speaking with them since I was about five years old or somewhere along there. Uh, I don't know if there's anything to do with it, but I did get hit by a car when I was five years old, got thrown down the street. My shoes and socks went one way, I went the other. And I have no idea if that had anything to do with it. But nonetheless, I don't know a, a time in my life that I did not connect with the other world. And and with that, as I was saying to you earlier, um, a, a lot, I think w when things happen to us, depending on when they happen is their life again, has an awful lot to do with this down the road. So I think when you have things as children, it, it has an awful lot to do with your surroundings, 
Um, if you have, you know, an intellectual family or if you have a religious family or if you have any of the kind of those above and you start having experiences as a child, it can be, you know, a great experience or it could be not a great experience, especially if, you know, they think there's something wrong with you. They, you know, want to take you to, you know, the people that want to lock you up, which they did, by the way. I don't mind telling you when I was young because I've been around for a, long, for a long time. That's what they, they did. You know, when you spoke, when you spoke. When you spoke to what no one else saw and heard in those days, wow. that's what they did. Um, and, and if it was if it's a religious thing, um, depending on what your religious or, orientation is, um, they thought you were possessed by the devil. Uh, this is all very true and very real. <laughs> um, so, I, 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 but fortunately for all of the above, um, I didn't come in with a strong religious family. As a matter of fact, I was one of my, one of my family that even went to church, and I did that because for my great love of, of music. And, um, and and there wasn't any books too much in my house, so I didn't have to worry about the psychiatry part. So, um, so I, I was raised in a, in a rural town. Both my my parents um, were 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 you know came from farm families, and uh, I was an only child for a very long time. And I played a lot alone in the woods and whatever it was. And so the, the other world presented itself to me for a very young age. I knew things before I. I I had this like this Tibetan dude who visited me and like there was nobody in my neighborhood who looked like him. I mean, th this kind of was, you know, <laughs> this was sort of my life um, from a very, like I said, from a very, very young age. And uh, at the age of 13, which is always a fun age to begin with, my paternal grandmother made her transition. And uh, she was obviously very, very influential in my life. And here was this big Zoftic woman, um, larger in life, that went from whatever she was down to like 80 pounds. And the last time that I saw her in the hospital, um, that's what she looked like. And then a few days later, I can't tell you, you know, sequence of time, because, you know, is that, that was a crazy point in my life. She comes into my bedroom. She stands at the bottom of my bed and she does what grandmothers do. She says, you know, I want you to keep up with your piano lessons. I can't visit you very often. I'm going to give you my favorite house, my, 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 my Ruby diamond ring. And, um, know, know that I'm always going to be there. So I'm looking at her and I'm thinking like, this is great because grandma's big and fat again. And she's not, you know, sick. Like I told her last time and we're, you know, maybe the house might be somewhat normal again, whatever that means. And um, so then the next day or the day after my mother says, we got to go to the parlor. I don't know what the hell the parlor is, except for then later I learned that we go in there and this woman's dressed in my grandmother's clothes, looks nothing like my grandmother in a box. And I'm pretty appalled because I've just seen her. She looks great. And I don't understand why the adults are doing this. And I must have been speaking out loud because at that point, I think my mother sort of run down the aisle hysterical. Your father's going to be freaked out, whatever it is. And go sit in the car. And that's what I did. So I went and sat in grandma's car. And then we proceeded to drive 100 miles an hour down our, our one street town. And that was sort of how it was for me. And, and, and the thing is about that experience was that to me, it was as if it was yesterday. And, and the, all the thing that I also talk about, you know, with that quite vividly is that if every single person had this experience with somebody that they love that went through the actual physical death transition, they would view death very differently. So in my thing was like, I knew that grandma was well, and I just didn't understand. I was trying to put this together, you know, like why everybody else was not experiencing grandma being well and everything being fine, except for, you know, after a certain period of time, then, you know, she kind of wasn't around and she wasn't in the hospital. And like I said, my father kind of went off the edge and I, I just kind of like figured it out. Um, and that was sort of like my journey with that. And then, and then I, you know, at, at the ripe age of 18 or 19, I moved to New York city and I had all these friends that were studying to be shrinks or therapist or any of the above. And then I'd go out on dates and 
the date's dead relatives would show up. Of course, I didn't know they were dead relatives until the person would say, or the guy would say, he'd say like, uh, that was my grandfather, but he was dead. Not great for dates. So I kind of like went through this journey, not really knowing, uh, you know, what the story is. And, and and finally what happened is that, you know, the kind of the walls started closing in because hmm, I'm thinking, okay, there's really something going on here. Most of my friends were really good about it. They knew I was different. They never saw I was crazy, just different. And um, so I kind of went through that for a while and then and then the, the walls did start coming in. And so I just sort of left New York and I moved to Northern California because they're all crazy there. And um, and then, you know, figured it out. And uh, it, it, like I said, it took, it took a little bit of while, but you know, that was sort of the thing there in those days. I don't like to use those expressions, but it's really true. There wasn't a lot out there. I mean, there was a lot out there. If you if you had, you know, an inkling to study metaphysics or, you know, study any of the, you know, the British philosophies and things of that sort, which, of course, I didn't. Um, that was the place to kind of go. But this was in, in the days that, you know, they literally quite literally put you away for talking to what no one else could sort of see. So it made me a little gun shy of, needless to say, of that profession. Uh, and there was a period of time that it was intense and they did want to put me away and, and they wanted me to go through periods of shock treatment. And, you know, that was, that, that was not a lot of fun. <laughs> so, um, but I did figure it out and I knew it wasn't crazy and, and, and the rest is, is, is sort of like history. And then it was sort of like um, doing it professionally. And this was sort of like I had this background in music, and and I have a degree, and I'm what? very talented. But this was sort of like in my face, so to speak. And um, I think when things are in your face, it's a little different, you know. And from that on in, I put my my shingle out, and that that was sort of the rest is sort of history. And because there was not a lot of people interesting enough during that period of time, um, I and lived in New York City, you 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 can't help but being thrown into the media world, and of which I was. And it was it was really kind of interesting because I got to do I mean, I got to deal with, you know, the Anthropological Society of New York, the NYU Bar Association, all of these radio shows and television shows because there wasn't anybody kind of doing it at that time. And so it was really kind of a for me, a, a kind of a fascinating thing, because, you know, they say if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. And that's really true. So being, you know, if you're good at what you do and you're gifted at what you do and you're thrown into the public eye. Um, you're going to have a very kind of a different response, even if they're still going to test you and, and do all that stuff. You can't, you know, you can't get away from it. So that's the long story sort of short. Susan, I'm just really curious. Of how I, of how I ended up this way. <laughs> I'm just really curious for our listeners. What do you play? What Because I know you're very talented, and I'm wondering if that musical ability that you have in some way also helped you to be so I'm sensitive. Just- and in tune to I have so um, many questions, so many questions. Go ahead, Irene. I'll let you. Go well, first. I think that's a very good question, and I'm so glad you asked that. Okay, so we know that when we learn, most of us, when we've learned, you know, to speak English, or when we've learned, you know, to grow up to speak, we we learn phonetically. We learn by sound, uh, you know, like, and so when when I connect, my obviously my audio area is is very heightened because of my background in music. And so when I hear, I happen to hear names obviously very commonly with people. Well, we know that there's certain sounds like C's and S's may sound alike, but a C and a K will be different. So if I'm saying, if I'm hearing a name like, you know, like Kathleen, um, even though it's spelled with a C, I'm probably going to hear the K sound. But even though the C and the S may be similar, Susan or Sarah or or Sarah is going to sound a little different. So those sounds to me are sort of like my link of how I'll connect with people. So there, there is clearly a thing of, of clear audience uh, and, and, and clear mediumship. 
and some mediums are, are more through sound and feel and, and, and all the kind of other. So yes, that was very clear um, for me to have that connection at a very young age. And the other thing is that, yes, I, my, my instrument is piano, but my, my real, my real love and my real passion was for composition. And so to me, I was hearing music from the other realms. So this really wasn't any different except for it had to do with connecting with obviously those that have already gone through um, the process of physical death because it is a physical death. I don't make light of it, but we can't die. Body dies. So with that, that was very similar to how I would hear music. So, yeah, I think a lot of that played in played into it. And, 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 and by the way, it's a good question, Irene, because uh, there are a few other mediums, by the way, that did have backgrounds in music. I, I will tell you that. So. Um, that's not, that's not yeah, a big and stretch. Let me ask you. So when you, you, you hear things so people can understand how it works, Suzanne, you actually hear, do you, do you get a vibration that you translate or is it voices that come into your head? And then do you also see things? And I know you feel things also. Yeah, I can hear you. Hello. Does everyone hear me? Okay. Uh, where'd that's Suzanne it. go? Cause I was asking her a question. Suzanne. So. Um, anyway, okay. So, so I, I, I do think that that is a, is a, is a, is a very, very good question. And, and, and again, what I was sort of saying to you is that I really do believe, you know, that our, 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 in our childhood, we bring a lot to our life from obviously what you know, we all know, you know, the, 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 you know, prevalent years, um, to where we are. There, there are some children that can draw. There's some children that can just, and this, obviously this new world, you know, of tech, just, you know, mm-hmm. do it. And, and that really has an awful lot to do of fine tuning one, our skills down the road or how we have them or how they, 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 they play within our lives. And that's why I happen to be, you know, a very, very, very big believer that if you possibly all can, and I believe we all can within a certain level in your life, follow your passions because you have them for a reason. Um, and, and, and the thing is that, you know, what happens is that do them while you're young and while you can, because if you choose to, you know, start a family and all that other kind of stuff and you haven't done it, then you're going to, you're going to feel in a lot of ways, like you've, you've missed out. So you really, you really need to follow whether, whatever that means to you is, is strong and significant as you can. When you hear from your dead people, when you, and we really, that's what you call them. And I love that you call them that because they're really not dead. They're alive on the other side. They've just left their bodies. But when you hear from them, you're, you're hearing sounds. Are you also getting pictures? Are you also getting body sensations so people can understand how this works for you? How, how, how many mediums have you had on this show? Did you hear my question? Did you hear my question? You haven't had any like me. So this is, this is, this is, a, I, I'm just going to sort of like keep talking here. So I, I, not only am I a traditional medium, um, I'm a traditional trance medium, which means that, you know, I go into different levels of consciousness when I work. You know, I don't do that as much as I used to, but people can always, they can sort of tell me that I'm not all there. They've always sort of, you know, they'll look at me and say, she's not sort of all there. But because of that energy, um, it does, it will just naturally overflow or run into what we would call, you know, that natural sort of level of, uh, of, of, of sort of like consciousness. So trance is a different state. And um, I think we all work with different levels within that. But because I, um, because again, that's been my background traditionally as a medium. I, I definitely think that there's an energy thing that does happen with me with electrical things for sure. It happens like all the time. 
And um, I mean, I have it, you know, my, my monthly radio show. It, it's always, <laughs> it is always challenging what's going to happen or what's sort of what, what's not. And, and, and truth be told, as I mentioned to you earlier, I have no control over this. So it, it's, it's them doing their thing however they do their thing. So if somebody wants to um, write me a question or sort of like interplay where we want to go to the next level with here, I'm more than happy Basically, to. Uh, did you to, hear me uh, when I asked you? Um, be there for this, uh, for this do, process. Not only do you hear hear the deceased, but do you get so pictures let's, and, let's and, talk about and this. body sensations also? Um, so I'm going to go back to this one again, because this, this one to me is, is, is a real important one. I, I think when you, Irene, I think when you talk about, you know, grief and rebirth and all of that um, in that zone for me, I, I want to sort of say that a, a lot of that is, is obviously, you know, pulling your life together, trying to figure out the next steps, which God knows none of those are easy. But what I do know is this in life, when we are stuck, we don't know where we want to go. And we're dealing with so many things in our lives we need to have some kind of a focal point. And if that focal point means just something that we like doing in our life, if that's cooking or if that's sewing or if that's canning or if that's gardening, um, do it. Because even if you may not be able to obviously make a living at it, although a lot of times people do turn their passions into it, they may not make the money they may want in their life, but they may, you know, live their lives doing what they love, which, which to me is 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 key to life of, of, of how we how we get from one place to another and, and really and, and really enjoy it because you know the, the life journeys can be challenging sometimes um, and they, they're they're exceptionally challenging when we have great losses in our lives we have to really you know kind of rebuild on a lot of levels but if we have you know some purpose or some reason for whatever that might be, I, I think it will help pull us through those, those, those hard times. And um, like I say, you know, it's, it's a great thing if we can match it up with making a living with it. Um, that's a great thing, but that doesn't happen with many people. So I already sort of say like, okay, so you need to do the trade-off. If it means having joy in your life of having children, uh, even though you may have to work obviously to support them, um, do that because that's got to be where you're directing of your passion. So, you know, these are, these are, I, I think are the little things are actually the big things that really, really do, that do help us um, in, in our process. So um, I'm on this program by myself. So let me, let me, let me add a, we are. Okay, great. So a lot of times people ask me like, uh, what are some of the most common questions that I am asked? There's a lot of those, by the way. And, and, and somewhere along the line, I'm going to tell you, you know, a couple of, of, of quite wonderful stories. But, okay, so obviously the number one way of contact from our loved ones that have made the transition is dreams. No, that doesn't mean it's the only contact, but that is the number one contact. And a lot of that has to do with how our brain operates and the state of our consciousness. Uh, in a dream state, you can disavow it. You can do anything you want to do about it. But the point is about it that's significant is that that state that we are in that makes that contact much easier is very much in a dream state. So with that, that's part of the reason why they contact us. The other reason why I think they contact us during that time is so we don't have heart attacks and join them. Because when you have dead people standing at the bottom of your bed, you don't know what to do with them. 
and you're not supposed to see them, it can be sometimes a, a challenging experience for one. So they take their cues from you, by the way, of how close they'll come or the kind of information they'll give you or the, the, the place of, of where that contact happens. But dreams are the number one way. Smelling, feeling, sensing them, looking for things that would only be significantly connected to that person. Billboards, license plates, all those things that we dismiss are ways that they may contact us. So it's very important to, particularly um, when you are in the state of grief, which by the way, the state of grief sometimes is the state of New York or the state of California for, for each one of us in our, in our, in our journeys, is that no, you can't, really you, I love it. You, you may just miss it because of grief. And we all know grief is a huge, huge thing. And they can stand in front of you, but sometimes your grief will just not let that happen. And, and with that, that often happens right after the passing because that's often when they're very prevalent or within the first year. And, and, and speaking of years, um, by the way, the second year of somebody's past is, is much more difficult than the first year, just for the record. Uh, because in the second year, reality sits in and, and most people go back and do their lives and you're sort of stuck with, with the situation. And uh, they're not going to call, they're not going to walk through the door and you're kind of like left with it. And that doesn't mean that the other people in your life don't care about you. It just means that they got to kind of go on with their life. So you're sort of like stuck with it and stuck with whatever journey you got to do to go through that sort of figuring out what that deal is about. Um, so with that, again, um, it really, really helps that you can, because people, if, if they know that they've been contacted, it really, really does make a difference. Again, sometimes in our grief, it doesn't happen. Um, thus, sometimes a really good medium. And I would suggest only go to a good medium because a bad medium will really put you on a very bad path. And it might even put you back, to be honest with you, because I've had plenty of experiences of people that have not had great experiences. And that one will make you feel like, oh my God, they don't really love me because the media didn't pick them up and they didn't tell me what I wanted to know. And I didn't think they really got connected to me and they're not really dead. You're going to go through a whole litany of things you really don't need to go through at that point in your life. So, um, so as I'm saying to you, those are, are, are kind of like a different ways, but everybody is very, very different. Uh, some people do well with groups. Some people do well with connecting with other people on journeys. Some people do well in therapy. Some people don't, you know, you have to find out where your way is, but you know, and it, it doesn't happen overnight. There, there is a process in that. And, and I think you have to be willing to go through that process. And interesting enough, um, a lot of people are not. And, and, and I, and I can tell you this because, I know a lot of people who do great grief work and do all kinds of ceremonies and things like that. And more people would prefer to go to a medium than do that. So I, I, that's all I can tell you in, in my experience, uh, because I know plenty of people that, that have gone through some journeys. I know Irene was one of those and she, she, she certainly did the medium path, but she did a whole lot of other things too, to really help on her journey. And I think that made a big difference as to where she is now in her life and, and embracing that because you, you got to on some level kind of in, embrace it because this, this becomes the, the current program in our, in our life. And that's sort of where we are. So the way they make contacts are a lot, a lot of different ways. Uh, but I'm going to tell you some, I'm going to tell you one of my, one of my lovely, lovely favorite, favorite stories. So children are number one way. One is also one of the number one way of contacts, children and animals, the four legged beasts. And uh, the four-legged will often look at something you don't see is there. And I, I, I can assure you that it's, it's one of your loved ones that's made the transition. And children are another one. And by the way, they've just recently done some studies over the past year or so that children up until the age of five or six, um, interesting enough, they don't differentiate with what we would call is real and not as real, which comes back to the old term of 
children seeing things that other people don't see or children having imaginary friends. It really goes back to that premise of, of, of a long, long time ago. But in any case, uh, so the, the brain of, like I said, this is new testing, the brain of where we are right now is that we know children up until the age of five, they can't really differentiate between the two of, of what is real and what's not as real. And again, it has an awful lot to do with, with that energy. Okay, so I had a client who lived on Long Island and um, she had lost her husband many, many years. And I, she had this big old house. 14, 15 people. And on top of it, she was into antiques and stuff. So she would have, you know, a lot of these sittings. And, and I was obviously, you know, uh, I would come there and she'd invite people and we would have a, a really, really good time. But like I said, she had lost her husband many, many years before. And finally it took her, her son a while to get married. And then he, find, he found, you know, a nice lady and um, they got married. So it took a long time down the road and finally, she finally got pregnant and they had a little boy, Joshua. So I think Josh was probably right around that age. I'm talking about four or five at the time um, because, you know, he could speak. And, and so that's kind of when our, our sounds sort of start to, to, to form. So he was having a bad day and, you know, his mother was like doing what mothers do. You know, Josh, what do you want? I, you know, I, I fed him. I was gave him his favorite toys. And he just kept saying to me, Grandpa said, eat it. Grandpa said, eat it. And I didn't understand what he was saying you want me to feed you this? Do you want me to feed you that? And so she got very frustrated. And, you know, my friend Grace, her, her mother-in-law lived not far from her. So she said, like, when he kept saying grandpa, she said, Let, let's go see grandma. Let's go see grandma. Because of course, you know, grandpa has been dead a long time. So they went and saw grandma and, you know, and grandma says, Grace has said, she goes, Josh, what's the matter? What, what's, what's going on? And he kept saying to her, he goes, grandpa says, Ida, grandpa says, Ida. And so she looks at the boy and she looks at his her daughter-in-law and she says, oh, my God, my husband, your grandfather's favorite opera was Aida. They put the opera on and Josh was as content as a lamb. So there you go. That's one of my wonderful, wonderful stories. <laughs> so the children are very strong conduits. And I say there's actually if you think about it on a, on a, on a level of love, just because somebody becomes past before you come in, they're still going to be your grandparents. They're still going to be your aunts and your uncles. Why wouldn't you come to visit them? It would make sense for you not, not to come to them. So that's how they present themselves to us. So that's kind of like one of my, one of my other, other uh, favorite, favorite stories. So um, I, I want to tell Irene, she is absolutely correct in her analogies of that story of what she just said about her recording stuff. Yes, that is true. That is very well and true. So, um, but in any case, that that just to me is is sort of like says a, a whole lot of wonderful, wonderful, you know, things about um, that children are they are conduits, and and you know they say out of the mouths of babes, and I've I'm, I've I've had many, many, many of people say like, oh, my daughter, my son said to me, I remember when I was the mommy also. So that's another another day for sort of another topic. But uh, there's this this continued love thing, and and, and that's that's sort of a, a fact in that. Um, so, without any other questions that you want to have, um, <laughs> um, I, I'm going to sort of give you one other quick quick story. This one's a little more uh, intense. Good. This is a little more intense one, but it actually has a, a wonderful wonderful thing at the end. Okay, so I, I had I had a um, a student for many, many years, 
And um, she was looking to get married, which is, you know, so true for the world. And uh, her mother, of course, you know, didn't understand why she wasn't getting married. Anyway, down the road, she meets a young man. He happens to be a rabbi. Her mother is beyond thrilled. And uh, she's, you know, a little later in life and she gets married. And, and uh, they were concerned that she would or would not get pregnant. But as, as the world would say, she got pregnant. And she got pregnant with twins. Now, moving backwards, when she would come to my classes, that I would always say to her, I think her name was Sheila. Sheila, you know, I don't know why, but I'm always seeing twins around you. And she goes, no, it's impossible. I'm an only child. And apparently it just kept coming up and coming up and coming up. And one day we had lunch and, and, uh, and this was right before she was getting married. And I said, I don't know why I always see twins around you. So she went home and she said to her mom, you know, why does Suzanne, you know, how could she be right about all these other things and be wrong about this? And her mother would never sort of say anything. So it, lo and behold, she got pregnant and she, you know, had twin daughters. And I, I went and I just basically said, I'm so wonderful. I'm so pleased. Congratulations to you. And I says, I don't know why, but I'm still getting twins around you. Now you have twins. But for some reason, I keep feeling that there were twins that were somewhere past in your family or whatever it was. Well, she went back home that day and real quick to her mom, mom, I don't know why Suzanne is assisting upon us. At that moment, her mom broke down and she basically said, no, Suzanne is right. She said there were twins born before you were born. Um, her mom family were Holocaust survivors and she lost her entire family in the Holocaust. So she had a, a very, very intense thing when she lost these two, these two little girls, or these two babies at birth. And she couldn't go down that road. And so she felt that she couldn't talk about it. What was wonderful about that is that we sort of solved the question about where the twins were. But the other part about it, which I think was really wonderful, is that her daughter really felt that these twins that she had were the twins past. And she really felt like it went a full circle of healing for her mom um, of that loss. And they had a relationship they had never had in their whole life when that happened. So that was really quite a wonderful story. Yeah. Not a, a wonderful story to, to, um, to end on because it's, it, the thing is that those babies kept coming through and kept coming through and kept coming through. And they were painted, trying to identify all of these loved people that her family, obviously that her mom had lost where they were and that they were all there together and that, the opportunity to have them come back again was really, really quite wonderful. So as they say, you know, never close the door on something because you never, you never ever know in the grander scheme because there is a continuum to it all. Wow. So that's yeah. strong. I mean, you can't really you can't argue that argue factor. That. You got it. You got it. So um, anyway, just, you know, I'm going to end with trust it. If you think you've been contacted, if you think you've gotten a message, if you think it's them letting you know, just trust it because every time you open up that door, it will make that door stronger and stronger and stronger. And it will, you know, you'll know that you'll know that really wow. love never dies. And that is really true. Even the body made, but love never does. That's really pretty. Good, Good to know. know. It's, it's very, it's, it's just, you know, it's, I mean, even I lost my dad like a year ago, you know, it's just nice to remember that and to look for signs and just to kind of remind yourself to stay open and pay attention. Cause you're right. Yeah. A lot of these things happen and we're like, Oh, that's just a coincidence. And it's not, right. you know, you're right. We should well, just trust it. Right. Well, coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. <laughs> I like that. 
That's a good one. I may I may use that again. <laughs> you're, 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 you're welcome. I don't own it. Go ahead. Hey, uh, you want to end by giving us your tip for joy, Suzanne? So my tip for joy is I, I'm going to, you know, reiterate um, again, is that I really think that you've got to have some kind of passion in life. You got to be plugged in somewhere, and that's why I, I that's why I use my 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 story of that. You know, if whatever it is, I, it doesn't matter what it is, because if you don't if you don't have a plug in, you you're going to have a hard time of having joy in your life. And mm-hmm. like I said, it's it's great if you can combine that with making a living, but most of us cannot. You know, and we all know that seventy to eighty percent of the population they don't like what they do professionally. So at least Whatever it is, when you're, when you're starting out in your life, if you can, try to go for it. Just try to go for it as long as you, you can. And if that doesn't happen, there's ways you can still probably do it. Maybe not make a living at it. You may have to make a living at something else. Mm-hmm. But but do it because passion in life is, is really, really important because it really keeps us alive. And it keeps you alive through your whole life. That's the whole thing. It will keep you alive through your whole life. And um, you just got to kind of find, you know, you Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. We definitely need to be. And, and, and by the way, that that happens to be an America and, thing. Because I think, you know, I other countries that take off like guilty, six weeks right? like we don't want, to, you know, they take, that you know, I mean, that's us. We're so programmed that that's what it is in the soap. And it's like, you know, you got it. You know, I mean, it's Oprah calls them ah moments. I call them bliss moments. I call them moments where it's like, wow, like this day doesn't yeah. get better. And, and like this moment doesn't get better. And, and, and those moments are, mm. those wonderful moments will carry you through because it's like memories, memories of, of, of people that we love. Those memories, no one can ever take them from you. Nothing, nothing can take them with you. Those are yours. They're in your heart. And mm. th- if that, if that means that carries you through, then, then so be it. But you're, you're right. We, 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 we tend to just, you know, uh, overwork. All right. Well, you, You've well, been great. We love I, I we love Irene. We'll do I this again. To, I need to cut it short because I love to just let you go and talk. These stories are great. So maybe we'll have to do another yes. one some other time, Suzanne. But we do have to wrap it up and music to my ears. I know. We'll have to chat again for sure. Are you yes. Chat again, hopefully with less tech issues out there and other and, and the dead, you know, trying to mess with everything. Hopefully they just let us go next time. <laughs> well, they they want you to know that that's the whole thing is they want you to know they're not dead. They want you to know that their bodies are gone, but they're not they're, dead. You know? They're definitely letting us know. If you're talking about signs, uh, uh, Suzanne, this is definitely one. Somebody's running around in one of our houses right now being like, hey, hello. <laughs> but... All right. Well, thank you for your time, Suzanne. Uh, This is, again, the Grief and Rebirth podcast. Until next time, as Irene loves to say, to be continued. To be continued. Bye.